Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. My job is driving me crazy. Ah, sorry. Do you hate your job or does your job hate you? Sorry. Sorry, I can't find the answer to the question I heard. My career crisis. We are revisiting a familiar theme in this episode. Making art and surviving. Being a creative person and making enough money to just live and live in a big expensive city. In episode one of My Career Crisis, we heard from a photographer, the brilliant Lottie Davis, who still quite late in her career is struggling to make ends meet as uh, an artist and juggling, you know, horrible commercial projects with, with stuff that actually makes her happy and creatively fulfilled. Today, we are going to meet a musician, Charlie Hinchcliffe, uh, who is an award-winning musician who records as Dear Pariah. And she's going to come on and talk to us about her career crisis, because, of course, this is my career crisis. Welcome along. I'm Ruth Barnes, um, hosting today's show. And I'm joined, of course, by Sue Ahern from Creative People, who is our career guidance expert. Hello, Sue. How are you? I'm very well. We're talking about a musician today. It's very similar to our Lottie episode. And Charlie is currently working as a nanny to survive in London. And I think that's always the juxtaposition, isn't it, in the society that we live in, is trying to make enough money. And there's just no money in Mm. being an artist. What are your tips that off the top of your head before we even begin? I think one of the worst things in terms of being productive, and I, f- I find myself being guilty of this a lot, is, is self-pity. The minute you start thinking, oh, woe is me and isn't it terrible, a lot of the creativity and productivity just comes to a, f- a full stop. So I think we can look at issues around that. Also to look, I know this sounds a bit Pollyanna-ish, but we're going to look at the positive sides and and prioritising. I think we need to look at prioritising. What are the most important things, short, medium, longer term? And work with some advice around that. We're also joined by a very special guest on this episode, Tom Bridgewater, uh, who runs the excellent Loose Music record label and has done since it began. Hello, Tom. Hello. How are you doing? Thank you for coming in. Um, So uh, Loose Music, an excellent independent label uh, with a global reach base in London, Americana country folk, that's the kind of vibe, which is why we thought um, he's an excellent person to come in and have a listen to Charlie and also just give her some advice um, because she needs it. Welcome, Charlie, to the podcast. Hello. <laughs> Hello. Um, thank you so much for joining us, dear Pariah. We are going to be talking to you and we're going to hear a song as well, which is great. You've brought your guitar and you're going to play for us, which is wonderful. I think we need to do a very quick kind of potted history of Dear Pariah. You're, you're an artist who has done very well 
well, you've, you've kind of brushed against things that have given you surges in confidence. So you've won awards that have come in the form of grants. You've had a very successful pledge campaign where your fans gave you money to record and release an album, which I think is an extraordinary thing these days um, and must be very reassuring as an artist. You've had sold out gigs. You've you know supported some interesting artists. You've you've had you know you've headlined at, uh, at your own shows, had some great festival experiences. You know these are all things that should be ticking loads and loads of boxes for you in your career. So what is the crisis? I think it's just transitioning into being a full-time musician. I'm kind of stuck in a situation where I need to work four to five days a week, sometimes six days a week, just to afford to live here. And then by that point, to be honest, I'm too tired to, Mm. you know, I don't feel particularly creative after a 10-hour day to, you know, or have the energy to do the music. So I've kind of managed to do that lifestyle for five or six years now of you know I'll come home from work and then go grab my guitar go straight out and play a show get maybe five hours sleep and then go to work again but um, I think it's definitely getting to a point now where you know you get interest from labels and then you don't hear anything and it feels a bit like yeah a bit heartbreaking I think let's hear you play and then we will talk more about you and try and get to the bottom of your crisis and what are you going to play for us I'm going to play a track that's unreleased at the moment. It's called Tired. (laughs) Did you choose that one on purpose? (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Take note of the lyrics. Right, here we go. This is Dear Pariah and Tired. It's been a few days of lying of sleeps through the dawn we to the war we're waiting oh
Charlie, thanks so much for performing. Um, and uh, it's, you know, it's obvious you are a very talented artist. What is going wrong? I'm going to start with Sue first, or maybe nothing is going wrong. Sue, what, what do you make of Charlie's crisis? Right, I'm not going to profess to know anything about the music industry because that's absolutely Tom's bailiwick. But um, I'm a fan, especially of uh, country Americana folk music. And um, I was very impressed when I listened to your website, when I've just heard your track, when I listened to your website. I'm, I'm, in, I'm in awe. So, you know, that put that down first. But what's interesting to me is I'm not surprised you're tired. I had my two grandchildren for a day on Saturday and I was so glad when they went home. Mm. I mean, they're beautiful, they're wonderful, they're lovely, but they're one and a half, and, no, they're nearly two and three and a half. And I was exhausted. So for me, when I read your initial outline of what the problem was, I'm not sure it's the music. I think it's the nannying. I mean, if you could choose something, and, and I, do, I do understand that one of the things that you're talking about is trying to stay in London and do your work. Well, first of all, there's, I'm going to ask a question about why London? Um, but secondly, why nannying? Because if you could have chosen a more exhausting thing, I can't think of what it is. So, <laughs> so what's the answer to that question? Um, well, I have done lots of different things. I worked at Passing Clouds as a music venue uh, in the East End. Yeah, so went as cool. um, a bartender for Again, a long though, time. Again, the most exhausting job. Yeah, Come on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I worked at a coffee shop, which is great because then you have enough energy at the end of the day. You know, it's not. It's pretty chilled out. But the money is not good for that. And I think this was the only thing really that I could think of that was going to give me enough money to actually not only pay my rent, but also start saving for the next record and things like that, which is obviously quite expensive to do. It's not ideal, but I... Would you consider uh, yeah. Would you consider doing something a bit more kind of nine to five and not so... Like, like Sue says, it's would, mentally yeah. and physically exhausting yeah. to work with kids. I would, I would, but I think it's my CV now has got to a point where it's kind of mm. pushed towards nannying and working with kids in schools and stuff. I mean, we've spoken before about CVs yeah. and CVs tell a story and a lot of the art is how you put a CD, CV together yeah. so that it tells the story that you want. I'm not saying lying or anything like that, but that, so that you're emphasising 
different things. So don't just think that because you've done those sorts of things, you're sort of destined to always do those things. Yeah. But I think that point, not only about the physicality of the job that you're doing, but just the mental effort, there's nothing more draining than working with small children because they need to do the same thing again and again and again. And if anything's going to stunt your creativity, I would have said it's that. Tom, um, how often do you see this with artists who are at this kind of level where really they should be at some sort of jumping off Mm. point and they're sort of drowning in another job that really has no connection to their to their art and their creative work well we do see it a lot and and it's it's really the norm is for for artists particularly it seems british artists i I think that sort of touring is, is slightly more limited here in terms of you know how many towns you can actually play and so you know the americans seem to just about get by a bit better but having said that you know, the Handsome Families band we've worked with, um, you know, they, they worked incredibly hard to achieve a situation where they're finally, after 20 years, that's all they do is music. And that's, they've driven themselves around, they've they've sold things on the road like paintings and books, and they've, they've really worked so hard to get to that situation. And they're very sweet and sort of say, thank you, Tom, for playing a part in the fact that we now are professional musicians full time. And that's, and they feel very blessed to be doing that. And the majority of, of musicians aren't really able to achieve that situation particularly easily. Most of the bands we work with, they do have other jobs. And I totally agree that I think um, being a nanny must be absolutely exhausting. And it's very difficult if you're if you're working full-time and then your holidays are effectively when you're probably going to go out on tour. So you have no holiday, you have no time off. And, and it is becoming much more the norm, particularly now, I suppose, because of the, the economics of the music business and the way that I was talking to a publisher just the other day about the fact that he's not able to advance them enough money to uh, facilitate them to be able to be full-time musicians and to work at their craft. And, and that's really sad. And it is it is a sort of product of the modern music model of Spotify streaming etc etc which works quite well when you're successful but it doesn't on the lower rungs of the ladder but I was I was struck by you saying uh, that um, you'd had interest from record labels and and then they go away or whatever and that's very disheartening Um, and I think people still traditionally look at record labels as being somehow the guys that are gonna guys and girls that are gonna have a magic wand and, and, and turn things around Really, you know, we're, we're, all we're doing is trying to make the best job we can of putting out your records. So, you know, I'm, I'm, sorry, I'm, I'm probably yeah. teaching my grandmother to suck eggs here, but, you know, it, there's, there are so many different facets to the business and, and really the manager is the one who's going to have to try and <clears throat> work out your career path and how you're going to be able to make things work financially. But and then below the manager, you've got it's not just the the record label; it's your it's your booking agent, it's your publisher. So there's there's all sorts of ways, and and then you've got merchandise and that side of things. And so, I get a bit frustrated with with musicians feeling that perhaps you didn't mean it quite like this, but I got thinking that we're the guys that somehow are going to solve all the problems. I get your frustration in terms of labels and and things like that because it's about the opportunity that they offer. And when you're in this world of kind of slogging away at a job all the time and then somebody kind of comes along and kind of dangles a carrot and goes, we really like you, you're Mm. good. Yeah, we'll be in touch. And then they're not in touch. It's like, oh, come on, somebody just do me a favour. I don't think for a second that record labels are the be-all and end-all. It was actually that I 
put out a post on my Facebook after I'd played this communion show saying I'm looking for a booking agent, actually. And then, yeah, someone at communion emailed me saying, let's have a meeting. I'd like to slowly build a team for you over time. You know, so start with a booking agent and a manager and things like that. So, And it still may happen. It's not like she has actually said to me, you know, we haven't forgotten, we haven't forgotten, we're just really busy and stuff. I think it's just trying to work out what do you do in the meantime because it's the booking agent thing that seems to be completely elusive at the moment. It's mm. hard to it's find just, a good booking agent, yeah. I think. Uh, you know, in, in a way, you're better off... I mean, it's not rocket science to put together your own tours, and I'm sure you do, you are booking your own gigs as it stands. And, um, you know, there are networks of promoters and uh, that... You know, certainly in our world of, of kind of Americana and folk, touring just in the UK is not the answer because there aren't enough towns, even if you're playing all the secondary markets and all that sort of thing. You've, you've got to get out into Europe. And I think some of the, the mainland European booking agents are really rearing their heads now as being uh, valuable, um, you know, really good operators. And we're working with a few Dutch agents now who completely know the British scene and are capable of getting our American British bands onto the big festivals because that's kind of mainly where where a, a booking agent should win out is when they book you onto Green Man, End of the Road mm. and yeah. those sorts of festivals and, and you're playing in front of new people who won't have, rather than playing to your, your regular crowd in, in your yeah. town, you know. Again, it's just a case of keeping going. It's, it's how much you want it, really, Charlie. If you really want it, you're, you're, you'll be what they call a lifer, you know, and you'll stick yeah. with it and something good will happen. I mean, it took, I mentioned before, the Hanson family, and, and they were about to quit. I mean, they had a career of sorts, and then out of the blue, an eight-year-old song got, plucked out of out of a dusty cupboard as it were um to to be the theme tune to true detective um which was wonderful and it but goodness knows how that happened but it happened but they deserved it because they stuck with it it ain't easy the music business on any level you know on our on the the, the business of running a record label i'm trying to think of a, a slogan for our, our label at the moment I'm, the best one i've got is really sort of loose Loose records still in business. <laughs> Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Wow! Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. 
Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. <laughs> You're living in one of the most expensive cities in the world, which we love, but it's very, very expensive. So that's another pressure on you to mm. get, you know, very high rent um, to pay. You may not want to leave London or, or anything, but are there alternatives for you? Because, uh, Tom, would you say that it's necessary to be in London? No, I think quite. A, I mean, it, it's it, uh, quite a lot of artists seem to be moving out to the coast. The sort of Hastings and Margate seems to be the, the buzz towns at the moment, which is obviously half the price of of London. That's not just musicians; that's journalists and all sorts of people are, are making that that trek to 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 get out of the London uh, rent. Situation. What, what's the situation for you, Charlie? Because I know that you've you've left London before to to get yeah. well, actually, when you've had some health problems and things. So the only place that that I really kind of properly considered was Berlin. So I I actually went there in March. I loved it. I absolutely loved it. But the music scene there for my kind of stuff, from talking to a friend of mine that has been there for a year now, she's very established. A session musician in she was in London and then it's now become established there. She plays tabla. She was saying that it, it's just not great there in terms of that kind of scene. It's very good for like techno and things like that. But I look at someone like you from my perspective of like being you know trapped in London with a mortgage and a small child, and I look at you and I just think you're so free. Like yeah. may, maybe it is time to to make a decisive move. Why not now? You yeah, know, yeah. London's doing you no favours. Exhausting job, you know. Yeah, yeah. Kind of cl- trying to claw your rent together every month. Maybe it is time to think about going somewhere that is cheap, has a better quality of life, mm. and just a new network. Or maybe it's Hastings. I don't know. It's it's about that kind of network. And I, I feel that the new musicians, that the musicians out there I know that are making a success, in inverted commas, of, of, of just living through their work, are people who don't live in London. They've formed collectives, not very mm. far out of London, but they're in Brighton or Hastings or Rye or Margate, and they are in those kind of... It's like you can't operate alone in this business anymore. Yeah. You have to have your crew, in a way, and you're and all it, helping yeah, each London, other. London could be a very lonely place, in a way, sure. couldn't it? Whereas, yeah. you know, I think... Yeah. I think so. Well, I've got I think a pretty so. massive network of musicians. I mean, I've met a lot of people at passing clouds in the world music scene. I've ended up doing stuff with lots of different bands, a band from Mozambique, learning like Portuguese backing, you know, doing backing vocals for him and learning Portuguese and incredibly fast lyrics and stuff like that. And then, you know, there's other friends playing harp and things like that. There's all different stuff. I mean, I don't know, it's taken me six years to build up this kind of massive amount of contacts. And London, the best thing about London is, you, you know, it's probably the same in every city, but all these different groups of musicians. And if you're someone like me where you can kind of, you know, get on well with, you know, different people, you end up kind of knowing different people and, you know, maybe like a psychedelic kind of scene over there or you know, this kind of a trad folk scene and stuff. And I don't know, I don't find it kind of a bit scary to... Um, the sort of kind of starting again, mm. building that yeah. network. That's you understandable. Know? If there was a way, mm. perhaps you could live just outside London or something and dip in and out. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, that seemed, you know, lots of musicians that I work with are doing exactly that. They're coming yeah. into London the whole time, but they're living somewhere yeah. a bit cheaper. Mm. Um, 
Yeah, you don't want to ditch all of those, what you've been working at for six years. I think that's understandable. What are your biggest fears, Charlie, going forward? I suppose for me it's it's difficult. There's a lot of things at play in terms of there's kind of long-term health issues. There's, you know, there's tons of different things and that's that in itself without a music career is tiring enough anyway. But I suppose I'm just, yeah, I'm pretty worried about, you know, it just not happening, basically, because I think... I've, I know that it's about perseverance and I've been releasing songs since I was 13. I was on signed to Sony when I was 17. I ended up pulling out of that contract. You know, I've done some major things before I was even 20 and then you feel like you've kind of gone up, 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 up mm. and then it's this weird kind of eternal cusp, basically. And, you know, it's fine and I keep kind of pushing on and how long can you keep putting in something and playing these shows and feeling like, well, that was the best one we played. And then, you know, we've had some really big promoters book us and done some huge support slots this year and got paid, like, absolutely nothing for these... Who are you supporting, Charlie? A guy called Steve Gunn of St. John's at Hackney. You know, I've supported him twice. He he came to London last year, supported him solo, and then he asked me back this year... Because I'm a cheap date, you know. <laughs> well, it's, it's 50 quid, isn't it? No, it was like 20 quid. Oh, 20 and, the, and the tickets were like £12 each. Oh, geez. And don't get me wrong, because I do really like the promoters. He's really, he has helped me out a lot, you know. So, but, so there are people that kind of taking me under their wing and going like, you know, we'll help you where we can. You know, I met you, Ruth, and, you know, you've definitely helped me out a few times and, it's those people that go, well, I don't have to help this person, but I've got you this, you know, That big must slot. tell you that, that, that there's something that they're seeing in you that they yeah. think is worth. Yeah. Obviously not investing very much in, in terms of money, <laughs> but uh, in, yeah. in time and effort. So yeah. what, what does success look like as far as you're concerned? Just being able to at least do do music. If I could just do music, maybe I could be happy with five days a week, you know, even if I have to work for two days a week or three days a week so I don't know maybe just try to be honest a full-time musician I'm pretty realistic I know that I, you know chances are I'm not going to be Beyonce or well I'm not going to be Beyonce <laughs> I'm definitely not going to be Beyonce I can't I can't twerk at all but um <laughs> just want to be able to make a living from it and I don't want to be in a function band that is, yeah. people always say to me, why don't you get in a covers oh, no, band? Yeah, yeah, then you'll be able to it. And I'm like, no. Can I ask, have you tried publishers? Mm. I don't know. Yeah, that's the only that's the only area that I actually don't understand. The publishing thing. That's the one that I'm like. that's been a real, that's been a, like you say, the Handsome Family example is yeah. the key example. In fact, I was yeah. going to mention that because yeah. that theme on True Detective was mm. awesome. And I mean, yeah. just... Just such a beautiful moment there when they married that up with that series and then those guys were completely re- revitalised. Yeah. Um, but it's about that world. And I feel like in the music industry, it's kept quite under wraps, the world of publishing and sync. And do you need a sync agent to get your songs into, even just into a, a TV show well, can sync do thing, well? I mean, sure, you can plug synchronisations, but... I think, um, you know, if you took the Handsome Family example, I'm pretty sure it's Matthew McConaughey who asked for 15 people on the guest list in L.A. about 10 years ago for the Handsome Family. No. No, nobody turned up. 
but he paid them back in spades by because I watched the miniseries, the, the extras on the box set, and T Bone Burnett was saying that Matthew McConaughey and various actors within it had been bringing songs to them. So my hunch is that, that that's he, an even better story. So that's, so <laughs> that's, that's awesome. completely yeah. random. Yeah. The, yeah. The, that's nobody has tried to get mm. their music like if somebody was trying to get Charlie's music onto a series. I think that's a very hard thing to achieve. But mm. the publishing side of things is where they're basically that's that's the actual songs themselves, and a publisher will normally pay pay you some money as well to 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 sort of bank the songs as it were, mm. and to try and um, generate some money in time for the for for those songs, and and so you're handing over the ownership of your songs, but you're giving you you can in the short term get a get a sort of advance for those songs but it's again that's not easy to achieve there's an awful lot of people chasing publishing deals mm. so so the, so publishing is very much the the song itself whereas we're dealing with the recording of mm. the songs and so we're putting out the recordings and everybody is trying to get synchronizations and it it can be the thing that completely changes your life but I, but I think just sort of psychologically how you get through the next bit without getting too depressed is if you feel a bit more in control of your life. And at the moment, it's interesting, I, I can absolutely understand the frustration that you're suffering and the exhaustion. But it sounds like you're, you've sort of ceded power to other people, sort of mm. mentally. Do you know what I mean? So that, as Ruth says, they've dangled this carrot in front of you a couple of times, so that makes you hope. God, despair's a lot easier than hope, I think. You know, um, I come from a family of West Ham supporters. Tell me about it. So, um, but, but you know, so you're given this and you, you wind yourself up and then it's taken away. If, if this was more about what you do rather than what someone else mm. might be able to do for you, just psychologically, that might be better. Nothing's forever. Yeah, yeah. So it's just about trying to make it more manageable for yourself. And uh, maybe, I think that's great advice. And then to... To be working on something within your music, so then to you know to be working towards an album to get a collection of songs together. I'm very old-fashioned. I still believe in albums. <laughs> um, and um, you know, to, so if you you've got something that you're trying to get together, you did a pledge campaign last time round. I'm all, we've just started working with pledge. I think it's it's a great thing, um, mm. and there's no reason why you can't do that again. Um, and you know, then at least you've got some sort of target and you're you, you've got to, you, you're not sort of going what is my yeah I want to be a full-term music what I want to do next is put out this album yeah, yeah. so you're not trying to as who says look too far in the future you're just giving yourself you know so I want to put out an album I want to do a good tour around it um, mm. I want to see if I can get some interest from publishers I want to get some nice merchandise together um, all of that takes a bit of money, but you can do all of these things through Kickstarter pledge campaigns. Yeah, I think it's worth not not sort of overusing that that area. I think it, it's, sometimes it's it can be worth trying to to get enough money together and record the, the songs really cheaply and use use the likes of pledge for pre-orders rather than asking for yeah. the money to record the album. That's just a personal thing I have that I think if a musician, it's somehow it's great if they can be going out there and, and making making the gamble. Somehow they've made it. They beg, still borrow to, to get this album together and then, they, then they're going to pledge and so then you're going to all your fans and saying how many people want to pre-order it and you're getting a feel for how many you're going to sell. Yeah. And, you, and it's really encouraging when you see the orders coming in before you've actually released the record it's like hey this might mm. actually work mm. so not actually necessarily going to, to all your fans again and asking them for money for the recording would be my, my advice yeah, yeah. on that but 
Thank you. Has any of this hit home? Yeah, yeah. No, it's been good. It's been good. Thank you so much for coming It's like a little support support group. (laughs) Go, Charlie. Go, Charlie. Where's our banners? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, Well, if you walk away from a Sony deal when you're 17, I think it's definitely not about being famous. It's about doing things on your own terms. And I've always admired that about you. Well, thanks for coming on. Thank you. Thank you, Tom. Pleasure. Thanks, Sue. You're welcome. Um, please do get in touch with us um, if you'd like to come on to the show and have a chat with Sue um, about your career crisis. The best way to get in touch at the moment is just to contact us on Twitter. We're at My Career Crisis. Please follow us. Um, also, feel free to rate and review the show in iTunes because that, you know, keeps us relevant. Um, and also, um, yeah, just get in touch. Follow us on Twitter. I've said that already. This is the shittest wrap up I've done <laughs> yet, I think. Thank you. Thanks for listening to My Career Crisis. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.